for chaos where the spirit of the Lord is. There's no room for demonic things. There's no room for illness or disease or sickness. Affliction cannot reside where the power of God rests. Amen. And so we worship him because he's good. We worship him because he's worthy. And we worship him because when we worship, we take territory in Jesus' name. Amen. See, some of y'all don't know this yet. You think we brought in Pastor Ian Pitter to put on a good show for you. You said, I like the way he sings. And he's tall. Believe me, I'm aware of it. We don't bring in people. And we don't have a stage to entertain. We welcome one another. And we have a pulpit to give reverence to the God who changes all things. Amen. But I also don't mind thanking God for Pastor Ian being here. Would y'all help me praise, praise the Lord for him and this whole team? Amen. They're going to come back in just a little bit. We'll worship some more. Would you do me a favor? High five your neighbor on your way to your seat. Tell him, you, you sing good. I like the way you sing. Welcome to Beacon. My name is CB. I get the distinct pleasure of serving here at this church. It is my home church, and I love to be in the house of the Lord. I've got a couple announcements for you this morning before we go higher in our service, and I'm going to welcome Pastor Josh up in just a second to kind of give us a, a few updates of all that the Lord is doing. But before I do that, I want to, I want to find Deacon LQ. Where's Deacon LQ? Is she, would you all help me thank God for Deacon LQ? There she is. Come down here, Deacon. Deacon LQ is on her way down to the Price is Right final showdown. Come over here. Come onto the stage. We want to love on you. You may know that as a custom in our church, once a month we celebrate a member, a servant in the house who serves in excellence. Come over here. One of our other servants is serving in excellence today. Um, and, and, and every month we try to celebrate somebody because we, we see the gift on their life and the dedication in their heart. And um, this month, the decision was unanimous. You may not know this, but Deacon LQ has been leading Spark Kids Ministry for two and a half years now. And true to form, no matter what I throw at her, she continues to serve in excellence. She's done kids ministry in a balcony, in a bar, in another bar, in another balcony, and in a dungeon. And every time I'm like, we're doing this. And she's like, cool, we'll figure it out. And it's just been amazing to see how God has used you to bless our children. And finally, LQ is ready for a rest. Amen. You may not know this, but kids ministry is, what's the word I'm looking for? Yep, that's the word. That's the one right there. Uh, LQ has been a faithful servant and member of our team for so long, but her life is beginning to transform. She just finished school and is trans transitioning to a new career. Um, and so we, we're blessed to have walked with her for all these years. And now uh, she's handed the reins of the leadership over to a brand new team, Jasmine and Chip, and a bunch of new leaders who are meeting today after service to take Spark to the next level. So I didn't want a minute to go by to tell you how proud we are of you. And how much Chanel and I love you. And how grateful this church is for you. You've done tremendous. Amen. So a small gift on behalf of the church to you and the world's smallest trophy. Would you do me a favor? Would you extend your hands to Deacon LQ and let's bless her. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you for LQ, for her life and for her ministry. God, she has served you in excellence in spirit and in truth. God, I ask that you'd fill her back up, that you'd refill her cup, and then in this coming season, she would bear much fruit in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. Help me thank God one more time for Deacon LQ. We love you, love you, love you. Thank you so much. One more thing I want to share with you real quick, and I also, I know that it's warm. I don't have a solution for you. I don't. Uh, we have our AC on. It's an old building. It's, uh, it's pumping as hard as we can. That's, uh, I figured if we give you a little time to sit in the middle of service, you'll cool down. And um, we might just invest in some old school fans. 
and it will feel like just an old school Baptist church in here. Uh, the Lord is, is, um, is, is faithful to this little church, and I'm grateful for it. Amen? Let me tell you about one thing that's coming up. Where's all my ladies at? Say, yeah. yeah. Ladies, the women's ministry is gathering next Sunday night for Women at City Park Jazz. This is a whole gathering open to all the women in our church. You can register online in the app. It's going to be an evening of charcuterie and jazz and sophistication, the likes of which you have not seen, but really a great opportunity for all the ladies to get connected. And if you haven't already registered, ladies, I want to challenge you to do that. Can you say amen? Also help me welcome Pastor Josh to the stage. Pastor Josh, you got a couple of announcements for us as well. Yes, sir? If it's your first time to Beacon, welcome. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so enthusiastic and excited that the Lord continues to give us an opportunity to bless others and serve one another. And um, a couple things about us. You should know that behind you is a kid's ministry in the balcony. Uh, We create, in the loosest of terms, a wall um, that is soundproof-ish. And so if you hear children, that's just what heaven sounds like. Amen. Uh, Also, we're an expository church. We believe in preaching the Bible, the whole Bible, all the way through from start to finish. So we don't cherry pick messages. We don't do topical sermon series. We pick a book that the Lord tells us to study, and we study it from top to bottom. And so we are in the middle of what was originally supposed to be about 16 weeks in the book of Galatians. I think we're on week 20, and who knows when we'll be done. Amen. But today we are picking up with a message entitled Free Indeed, and we're reading Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. Galatians 5, 1 through 15, we're reading in the ESV Bible, Galatians 5, verse 1, it reads like this. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated then to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you, for a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you who were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You should love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Free indeed. That is who we are. By the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are free. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. So grateful to call you our God. Jesus, we adore you. So grateful that you gave your life for us. Holy Spirit, we yield to you. Grateful that it is you who gives us breath and life. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes today, the big idea that I want you to leave with today is this. Walking with Jesus means walking with others away from bondage. Walking with Jesus means that we are moving towards him, ever closer to him, and walking away from those things, whatever they may be, that have bound us and kept us from him. And we never do this walking alone. No, the relationship with Jesus also brings forth a relationship with one another. Our faith, as you've heard me say before time and time again, is a communal faith. There is no such thing as lone wolf Christianity. Amen? We are called to live this life together. Now, we've labored through this book, 
And I've really enjoyed our time studying Paul's letters to the church in Galatea. And where we finally land today is really the crux of the whole letter. Most scholars and theologians would agree that Galatians is a book primarily about liberty, Christian liberty, the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. And we have wrestled with this text over the last four and a half months to land today finally at the place where we get to understand why the apostle has been calling these churches out and thereby calling us out of the bondage of sin and the similar bondage of religion so that we can understand that no man-made system nor temptation or pleasure of this world can fulfill us like God, and in fact, that fulfillment brings freedom. My prayer today is that you leave knowing that with Jesus on your side, you can do anything. You said, what do you mean anything? And I mean anything. I mean like superhero power. I don't mind telling you. Like if Jesus is the Lord of your life and the Holy Spirit is he who dwells within you, there's really no limit to who you can be. Amen? You said, you think I can fly? No, I'm not talking about flight or x-ray vision. But I am talking about the ability to overcome that which life throws your way, be it sickness, illness, stress, fear, worry, finances, relationships, being able to navigate these things with power. Amen? And so we're going to dive into this text because I think that there's some, some, some good marrow in here today that I want to make sure that you leave with and leave well. My hope is that you come to understand that you're free. First thing I want to leave you with is this. We are set free in Jesus, but we are set free to set each other free. Verse 1, he says this, for freedom Christ has set us free. Please understand the plural nature by which the apostle writes to these churches. He rarely, if ever, writes to them as though they are one person or as though they are a monolith. The apostle Paul, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, when he writes nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, writes to the collective, understanding that we are many parts brought together, interdependent, not codependent, and working together as an organism, and thereby we both need Jesus and one another. And so he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to the yoke of slavery again. Now jump down to verse 13, because this is where he starts both this paragraph and ends both this paragraph with similar state sentences. Verse 13, he says, for you were called to freedom, plural, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another plural, for the whole law is fulfilled in one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, the plural. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. The conversation he's having is to us, us, us. Look at your neighbor. Touch your neighbor. Say it's for us, you and me together. Now, some things that I think are important to note here is that this language that Paul is using is... is um, well, it's very matter of fact. That's perhaps one of the things I like about the Apostle Paul's teaching is that oftentimes when he writes, he's writing an eternal truth to a natural people, and he doesn't seem to shy away from addressing the elephant in the room. What he says here in verse 1 is, for freedom Christ has set you free, stand firm, therefore. The original words are liberty, and this liberty, it, 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 it's, it's an encouragement to not become free, not find liberty, but to stay free and stay in liberty. The original translation of this letter in the Greek, he says, stand firm, hold fast, stay put. This is something I think is important for each one of us to know because oftentimes we think much of our faith journey is a journey in and of itself. It's a pursuit. I got to go after Jesus. I got to go after Jesus. I got to find Jesus. I got to hustle. I got to go, 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 go. And I want to tell you today, Paul is telling us, hey, for just a moment, sit still and feel freedom. The reason he's teaching this, both to this church and to you and I today, is because he recognizes the elephant in the room is that we as humans tend to drift, tend to depart, tend to get distracted and go off course. So we, we find Jesus, or better yet, he finds us, and we find freedom, and this is fantastic. Oh, I found Jesus. This is great. Woohoo! And Paul is doing this. Come here. Plant your feet. Stop moving. 
for just two minutes of your life, stop having spiritual ADD, and sit still. I imagine in my head that Paul would have loved to have grabbed the faces of the people in this church and just said, for freedom, you know, you squeeze somebody when you love them. Christ has set you free. Why do you keep binding yourself up over and over again? See, the reason he's trying to talk to them about standing firm, holding fast, and staying put is because most of us really, even though we live in a free country, don't exactly know what freedom really means. I mean, most of us, if we're just being honest, growing up in a free country means we have absolutely no concept of what freedom is. If you've always been free, you don't really know what bondage is. In fact, that's why I think some of the people with the most profound ministries are the people who suffered the greatest in the sin and affliction of their pre-Jesus life because once he sets them free, they're kind of contagious, amen? I love to be around people who are just so enthusiastic for Jesus that even I'm like, can we talk about something else? It's been all Jesus for the last hour and a half, man. There's something powerful that happens in the life of people when the chains break off. But the North American church has never been in chains. You see, we talk about how the church is persecuted by politics. And there are churches of 14 people meeting in secret basement rooms in China who don't have Bibles but have memorized the Bible. And they know persecution. And they look at us and they scoff. See, we just don't really understand what freedom means. So... Let me break it down for you. Freedom is freedom from some things and freedom to some things. This is what the gospel gives us freedom from. You ready? The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that God sent his son to live a perfect life and to suffer and die, thereby paying the penalty for your sin, that three days later he was raised from the dead And he lives today that by believing in him and putting your trust in him, allowing him to be Lord over your life, you too are now penalty free from the wages of your sin, which is death. The gospel is that you didn't earn it and you can't make a way. He made the way. And that opens the door for freedom. Guess what? Freedom from your sin. Hear me. You are not free to sin. Amen? How many times have Paul written about this? He's like, this isn't, you didn't get saved just to be like clean slate, going to party tonight. No. You aren't free to sin, but you are free from sin. And I have to hit this nail on the head a million times because I really want you to understand this. In Jesus, you actually do have the power to overcome sin. I've preached on this about four times over the last four months, and I know that it can be a hard truth because many of us are living real and authentic lives that are marked by failure and sin. But I want to tell you this today. Once you say yes to Jesus, you are not still a slave to sin. Once you say yes to Jesus, sin can now be under your feet. You have the power to reject it, the power to reprove it, the power to rebuke it, and the power to flee from it. You didn't have that power pre-Jesus. Pre-Jesus, sin would walk in the room and you're like, I guess that's where we're going right now. But post-Jesus, sin walks in the room and you can say, not today, Satan. Post-Jesus, you can walk through any room you want and temptation can can say, come here. And you can run from it. The Bible doesn't say wrestle with it. It says flee from temptation. And some of us think that power over sin means we'll wrestle with it. We'll be involved with it. No, sometimes power over sin means you've got quick feet. (laughs) Fight or flight. Some things you can fight. Some things you should flight from. You have freedom in Jesus which is that you are no longer a slave to your sin or to your vice. You're free from that which has bound you. You're also free from 
I want to do this right. For those who are in Christ Jesus are made new. Amen? And those of us who now count ourselves amongst the saints now have a new birthright. Amen? We are now a chosen people, a holy nation. And that makes us altogether separate from the nations, peoples, and tribes of this world. I want to tell you this because I think this might matter to you. <laughs> Most of us have accepted the identity of being a son or daughter of God and co-opted it with the identities of this world. So we say things like, I'm a conservative Christian. I'm, I'm more of a progressive Christian. I'm a modern Christian. I'm a black Christian. I'm a white Christian. I'm a charismatic Christian. I'm a reformed Christian. No one says this, but many people live like this. I'm a cranky Christian. They don't say it, but they show it. Or how about this? I'm a carnal Christian. You ever see this shirt that says, I'm a Christian, but I still cuss? Bro, I got to tell you, <laughs> that's like saying I believe in Jesus, but not all the way. Amen. Here's the deal. When you really put on the mind of Christ, when you become Christ-like, you are set free from what the world offers you in terms of your identity. You no longer have to be associated with a tribe. Your job does not define you. Your relationship does not define you. Your political ideology does not define you. Your race does not define you. Your fraternity does not define you. Your alumni does not define you. It's Jesus who can now define you, which means when someone brings up your past, all you have to do is talk about your future. That's real freedom when someone says, oh, you got Jesus now? And you go, three, two, one. Yes, I do. Oh, you remember who you used to be? Not really, because he doesn't either. That's real freedom. You used to be a captive, but now I'm free. Used to be an addict, but now I'm sober. Used to be a terrible person. That's the one I used to say to myself. You, you used to be such a bad guy. Sometimes the identities from this world that are the hardest ones to let go are the ones you've bought into. The ones you've put on yourself. I, I want to tell you today that I get to say I was a bad person. Amen. <laughs> But because Jesus is so good, amen, he calls me righteous. See, Jesus gives us freedom from our sin and our vice, tribes, identities, and ideologies about ourselves from the world. It also removes from us the burden. Jesus gives us the freedom to no longer have to earn our way into his graces. Jesus gives us freedom from guilt and shame. And I don't know if I'm talking to anybody in the room today, but some of us have said yes to Jesus with one hand holding on to his nail-scarred hand and in the left hand, a big bag full of guilt over all of the things and shame full of all of the days in which we denied him and lived unlike him. And I want to tell you today, you get to hold on to Jesus with two hands. And if I'm being honest with you, it's kind of the only way you can keep up. Amen? I don't know anybody who can have one hand on Jesus and be like, let me just drag the rest of my dangerous life with me. Amen? You really want Jesus, you got to let go. And you get to let go because that's true freedom in Jesus. Now let's talk about a few things that freedom gives us to go after. The Bible tells us that God is a way maker, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so freedom takes us to a place. It's a, a movement kind of faith. Here's the beauty. Life with Jesus gives us freedom to be imperfect. Did you know that? It gives us freedom to be imperfect, but simultaneously being perfected on the journey.
You see, religion tells you that you must be a thing in order to access God. You must be this way, you must do this thing, and thereby prove yourself, what, worthy or perfect or able to receive God's attention and his love. And that's not the gospel. The gospel says you're free to be just like you are. And as you walk with me, I will change you into who you're called to be. Now, I'm not telling you it's freedom to stay just as you are, amen? Don't get it twisted. I didn't tell you to come here busted and disgusted and be like, I'm going to stay busted and disgusted for the next year and a half of my life. No, freedom from your past. Freedom to be authentic and be changed to the real you. Freedom also to surrender our worries and our cares to the God who can fix it. I don't know if there's anything better in my relationship with Jesus than knowing that I can soothe my soul in prayer. Am I talking to any prayer warriors in the room today? Does anybody just love to pray and you just find yourself just spiraling? Do I have any spiralers in the house? You ever just stress? Do y'all stress like I stress? Just my wife will come in the house and I'm on the couch and the TV's off and I'm just staring at the wall. And she's like, are you good? And I say what we all say. Yeah, I'm good. I'm not good. Because my thoughts are going like this. And I've realized over time that when my thoughts go like this, and I'm trying to come up with a thousand different strategies on how to remedy them, not one of those strategies ever works. I just freak myself out even more. But I have a God who says, bring me your cares and worries. Cast your cares on me. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is a failed life hack. Ready? If you're freaked out, stressed, anxious, or depressed, that is God beckoning you to cast your cares upon him. Every time I pray, I go like this. And this is a tip for you. Pastor's tips on how to pray. Ready? I'm kind of freaking out right now. Can you help me? Oh, you thought it was going to be super holy, right? You thought I was going to be like, Lord, I open to you Psalm 112. I recite it from heart. No, I'm telling you right now, I got a friend in Jesus. And I talk to him like a friend. And I'm like, I don't really know if this is going to work. And I'm positive I'm not the guy for the job. Can you help me? He is faithful to answer those prayers. He doesn't need you to be all fancy. He needs you to be real. And that's real freedom, amen? Freedom, freedom to be imperfect but be perfected. Freedom to surrender our cares and worries. And then this was the part I think I like because he says, for freedom Christ has set us free. We are called to love one another, brothers. It's this ongoing communal conversation. We are free to be a part of a family that lasts. God has always called us to be together. When Jesus is meeting with the disciples and he says, who, who, who do men say that I am? The disciples begin to give out their answers. And he pokes Peter in the chest because he knows that Peter has no filter. He's like, we'll see how this one goes. Who do you say I am? And Peter says, oh, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replies in this moment, you've spoken correctly, and on this rock, I will build my church. Hear me. He does not, see, the, see you hear heaven? You hear heaven? He does not say on this rock, meaning Peter. No. He says on this rock, which is the declaration that Jesus is the Christ. He does not say on this rock I will build my ministry. No. He says on this rock I will build my church. Building? No. On this rock I will build my people. The whole gist of the conversation is Jesus is waiting for simply one of us to declare something in faith and then he takes that declaration of faith and wraps us up together so that we can share in that faith. There's a conversation between Jesus and 12 disciples and only one of them has the chutzpah to say that thing in faith and then he looks at all of them and he says, now I've gathered you together and each one of them gets to share in the faith. We're called to be free together so when I still feel like I'm in bondage, but you feel free, you can set me free. 
Oh, you missed it. See, we're called to be free together. So when I feel stuck and lonely and scared and worried, when I don't know when my paycheck is going to make it to the next one, I can lean over to you and lean on your shoulder and say, I'm scared and I'm worried. And one of you has a word in this room that can say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. He's a way maker and a truth teller. He's a promise keeper. It's freedom in the us. That's why all good jailbreak stories always take place with at least two dudes. You don't never see nobody break out of jail by themselves, do you? No. Same is true of faith. None of us get out alone. But we all get out if we make a plan together. Are you with me? Here's the plan. Right here. You got the word in your belly, give me the word when I need the word. I got the bi- word in my belly, I'll give it to you when you need it. We're going to start sharing this thing together, walking this road together. No one falls, no one gets lost, no one goes back. We're all going together. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Last thing and then we'll transition real quick. I'm going to show you something because maybe I haven't made the point well enough. Psalm 103. We're talking about the freedom that God provides us through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the gate. Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus said, it's me. No man comes to the Father but by me. So when the psalmist writes in Psalm 103 about the beautiful benefits of God, the people of old would have read it and said, how could we ever find our way? But we today can read it and know we have access to these things right now. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You ready? He who forgives all iniquity, who heals all diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, I don't know if I'm talking to anybody today, but I need a few of those things. And the beauty is that in Jesus, I have access to them now. Any of those stand out to you? All of them. I like the forgiveness one. Hallelujah. I like the redemption one. I like that one. I like the healed one. I like the renewed one. I'm not big on crowns, but I like the crowned one. But you know which one hits me? He is the God who satisfies you with good. (laughs) When I think about freedom in Christ Jesus, I consider the fact that he allows me, empowers me, and gives me the opportunity to live holy and righteous and love every minute of it. See, this is the curse on young people today. They think that the world has more wonderful, beautiful, satisfying things to offer, and a life lived as a Christian is one that's not very satisfying, not very fun, but I'm gonna tell you this today. The freedom that I have found, the freedom that you can find in Christ Jesus is to know that it feels good to be good. Amen? Can I say that to you today? It don't feel good anymore for me to be bad. And believe me, I know what it's like to do bad. I searched all over, and he's still the highest high I've ever found. I love being good, being made righteous, walking with him. It feels so good. I don't like that I don't like most of the stuff I used to like anymore. I'm watching mob movies, and they say all these bad words, and now even I'm like, we should turn this off. I used to love mob movies. And Tupac. That's going to be hard to get rid of. I'm not going to lie to you. But there's something changing in me, just like it should be changing in you, that as the time walks with you and you walk with God and he, he begins to do a good work in you, you find that you start loving being good. And that's freedom. Two things I want to push you. Last two, two points. I want you to consider this. The reason Paul is writing so clearly to this church to tell them that Jesus provides greater for them is because he sees that they are again losing their way. Just like so many of us continue 
to lose our way. Verses two through six, he says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, remember he's talking to them about the infiltration of Judaizers, teachers who are trying to teach that Jesus is good, but must also be accompanying by practice of Judaic law, specifically circumcision. And he says, look, I say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, he is thereby now obligated to keep the whole law. You're severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You've fallen from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, only faith working through love. Paul is trying to say this. Once Jesus has set you free, if you begin to bind yourself again to the yoke of religion, you are severing your ties with Jesus. I don't like it either, so let's read it. Verse 4, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You've fallen away from grace. He says, you need to be very careful because binding yourself to religion severs your relationship with Christ. You said, CB, I can tell you with pretty much all confidence, I am not interested in circumcision as a part of this religion. Believe me, I'm good. And I'm happy for you. But we're talking about our bigger picture. You see, Paul is writing to the church in Galatea about religious practice. Now, the one that's specific there is circumcision, but the symptom is endemic about a failed understanding about our relationship with the divine. What he is trying to encourage them to understand is when you fall away from intimacy, trust, faith, relationship with Jesus, and embrace rules, rituals, and religion, you are letting go of what God can give you and putting on the yoke that makes you achieve God. Why does that matter today, you think? Well, because so many of us still think we have to earn God's love. I've labored over this about a million times, and I finally today get to say, for the last time, as a part of our study in Galatians, here it is. You cannot change God's mind about you. You do wrong, you can't do enough right to make it right. If you're a sinner, you can't do extra good deeds to wipe the scale. There is no gospel karma. There is not a weights and measures in heaven where he counts your sins and then counts how many good things you do and says, well, so far, so good. The story that you hear from people, which is I'm basically a good person, means nothing, nothing. Hear me, nothing. You can't change God's mind. But Jesus already did. Oh, if you can get this part, you will be set free. Because I'm going to tell you right now that I still struggle with this. There are times in my own walk, in my own faith, as a husband, as a father, and as a pastor, where I fall short and I feel bad for it. I make mistakes and I feel bad. And you know what my heart still tells me to do? I better make it right. Do you do this? Do you think of ways to do right? Do you ever feel, think to yourself that God is mad at you? How many of you have ever felt like God was mad? Amen. Real people. You don't feel that way, Pastor Ian? You feel good all the time? I knew you had an anointing on you. I knew it. I often, too, feel like I'm, I'm sorry. Please don't, don't give up on me. That's religion. That is the curse of the law that says that God is wishy-washy about you and it's determined by your circumstances and decisions today. As though you could wake up one day and do good and he's like, in heaven. And then the next day he's like, out again. (laughs) How busy would God have to be for all of us? In, out, in, out, in, out. That's religion. 
It says that you have to earn your way. Last time you can't earn your way to God. You can't earn your way to salvation. There's no works-based faith that works. Jesus did all of the work. He changed God's mind about you already. So don't fall from grace. Stay in the grace. Can I tell you this? It's sweeter here. I've tried to do the works. It's terrible. The apostle writes and he says, look, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, no practice of religion or ritual counts for anything. You can stand up and kneel down, take communion and pray. You can come to the altar. You can whirl like a dervish. You can lift up your hands. You can pray in tongues. You can do every religious thing that you think will get you to heaven. But if you don't have faith working through love, then you are an actor playing a religious game that you think makes God impressed by your performance. You with me? I don't want you to come to the altar if you think you're supposed to come to the altar. I don't yell at you to rush down here and get Jesus. We don't do altar calls like that. I don't stand here and say, come on, come on, come on, come on, and guilt you until you find Jesus. Because then you think that you have to do this. Oh, if you don't pray in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. No, that's not true. Oh, if you don't lift up your hands, you don't know Jesus. No, that's not true. But when you meet Jesus, you'll start to lift up your hands. The more the Holy Spirit works in you, the more you'll operate in the gifts. It's an inverse situation. You don't do to be, you be and then do. And so Paul says, none of it counts for anything save for faith. Working through love. We have to, we have to marry the two. Faith, the Greek word pistis. It means persuasion that leads to constancy. It means I believe and I'm going after it. Faith working through love. My God. I believe in you. And because you loved me, I love you. That's what worship is. See, Pastor Ian will say the words, Great are you, Lord. It's your breath and our lungs. So we pour out our praise. And he'll instruct you on the language to use that helps you to come to faith. And in moments of quiet worship, is when the Lord will remind you how he's rescued you, how he's healed you, how he's been an ever-present help in time of trouble, how he's been faithful when you haven't been faithful so that your belief is not just head, but now your belief becomes heart. Paul says, this is the only thing that counts. You don't believe and love it's a show. And you might fool all of us, but you don't fool God. Amen? Now that's about as hard as today gets. And I know that that's hard. But you have to know that God is not looking for your performance. He's looking for your heart. Amen? All right, last thing because this part matters. Verse eight, this persuasion, these people, this distraction that's got you off course. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. For a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. For the one who is troubling you will bear the burden, whoever it is. If I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? Verse 12, 11b, he says, in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate yourselves. Paul is writing to the church to say, 
Please stand firm in the freedom you found in Jesus. Please don't get lost in trying to earn your way back into heaven when you make mistakes and you'll make mistakes. And the best way to prevent that is be mindful who's talking into your life. I might say it like this. Be ever mindful of the religion that you hear. And you said, good, great. This is the only place I hear religion. I come to church, you preach, and you yell and sweat. And then I go home and I watch sports and I go to work because I don't hear religion anywhere else. And I want to challenge that notion to you today. I want to suggest to you that you are engaged in far more spiritual conversations every day than you actually believe. Amen? See, you think people are giving you fun life advice, relationship quips, or guidance based on their own personal experience. But I want to tell you that whenever someone speaks into your life, that is a spiritual conversation, and you have to be very careful about what is being said to you. Paul says, even a little bit of leaven will leaven the whole lump. He's trying to say that even the shortest of conversations or the most foolish of little quips can distract you from the whole of the gospel. I got one for you. You ever hear somebody say, follow your heart? You ever heard that? For the love of God, don't follow your heart. Do you know you? I know my heart. I'm not a fan of my heart. In fact, Jeremiah says it. What does he say in verse 17? Do you all remember? He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? If you were to meet somebody who was deceitful and desperately sick, would you take advice from them? If they were like, I can do nothing but lie and I have a cold for 47 years, here's some good health advice. You wouldn't listen to a single word, amen? You wouldn't take advice from people who are going in the wrong direction. So why would you ever follow your heart? You see, it sounds like a cute thing. Follow your heart. Do what you love. Do you. Love yourself. Self-care. They sound so simple and benign, but just a little bit has you focused on the wrong things. Too many of us are following our heart. We didn't realize that our heart changes its mind every single day. I want to be this. I want to be that. I love you. I love that. I'm this. I'm that. Woo, my gosh. Are you tired yet? You know who you should follow? You should follow the one whose steadfast love endures forever. You should follow the one whose word never returns void. You should follow the one from whom every good and perfect gift comes from. That's someone worth following. And you have to be mindful that every conversation you're having with people is oftentimes a spiritual conversation. So you must know the scriptures. Paul writes this. He says, if I'm still preaching circumcision and y'all are attacking me, then the offense of the cross is gone. What he's really saying is, if people are coming after me, then they must think that I'm preaching something powerful. Because the, the gospel is offensive. This kind of spiritual advice that we give you, which is surrender to the invisible God that he might dwell within you and change you from the inside out, it's downright offensive to humans who are made to do so much with their hands. And if you meet people who don't speak the way that our gospel speaks, then you are looking to other people for direction who are pointing you away from Jesus. Amen? So this is the deal. You have to know what the gospel says. 1 John 4 says, test the spirits. David says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Church, I want to tell you that you cannot be a Sunday attender and expect to fight the good fight of faith. You, you can't just be a part-time Christian and expect that when you come against real attack or real worldly wisdom that contradicts the gospel, that you'll have the spiritual insight or the ability to discern who's a false teacher and who's got gospel. You've got to know this word. So when someone says, follow your heart, you can say, the heart is deceitful. I follow Jesus. Amen? And if you don't live like this, if you don't if you're not careful with the words that come in your mouth, you will find yourself becoming a Christian who can be easily perverted and polluted by the things of this world. So you can say, I love Jesus and 
See, that's what this church was struggling with. Galatea was loving Jesus and getting ready to practice some religious things so that they might be sanctified. So you'll meet people who say, I, I love Jesus and I do this. I love Jesus and I do this. And what they're really saying is I love Jesus, but he's not enough. So I also add the following. Paul says, but it was for freedom that Jesus set you free. He didn't set you free so you could find something else to add to it. He set you free so there was nothing else save for the cross. Y'all can come up. Church, I'm going to ask you something. And I want you to think long and clear about your relationship right now with Jesus Christ. When you fall and sin... When you make mistakes, do you immediately think that God's mind is changed about you? When you fall and do wrong, do you think of ways that you can impress God with more of your right? Are you walking with people who think like that as well? This is an easy push at the end of the day, but I want to challenge you here. When you fall, do you think, please don't tell my dad I'll be in trouble? Or when you fall, do you say, I got to go tell my dad because he'll make it right? That's the difference between religion and relationship. And if you don't live in that freedom today, I'm going to tell you right now, you can. It is official. Starting right now, you can reject every word, every piece of worldly wisdom, and every piece of advice that's been telling you that the Jesus thing needs more to it. I've been praying and I need Jesus. Have you tried acupuncture? <laughs> yeah. But it didn't change my heart posture. I've been praying and I need Jesus. Have you tried burning sage? Oh, here we go again. Yeah, but it didn't change the atmosphere. Are you surrounding yourself with people who are pointing you to Jesus to say, in Jesus is fullness. In him we live and move and have our being. In him is total freedom. Or are you allowing people to pull you back into the bondage that is not the gospel? Today, I want to invite you to reject anything that's unlike the offensive cross of Christ, for we are free indeed. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to worship for 15 more minutes or so. And I'm going to open this altar. Our pastors, and I'm going to invite several of our deacons down here to meet with you. If you're here... And you need to let go of some of this religious thinking. You need to let go of some of the guilt and the shame that you've been holding on to because you thought that it wasn't something Jesus could get rid of. If you need to leave some people down at this altar who've been talking things to you that don't glorify God and don't mirror the offense of the cross, this altar's open for you. I won't push you. This is not performative. But if God invites you to come down here and spend time with him in prayer, this altar is open. Let's worship.